You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the gains begin. Welcome back to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning Power Athlete Radio. Today we have two special guests and Power Athlete Radio alums. We welcome Max Newland, the president of BrainCo, a brain-computer interface BCI company. This is all new to me. Incubated in Harvard and focused on unlocking the potential of the brain-computer interface technology but more importantly, Power Athlete Radio alum, episode 541. And we also welcome Mr. Jim Davis, longtime friend of the podcast, appearing on episodes 242, 457, and 580. Jim is a leadership and organizational development expert who runs a host of educational opportunities through strength, including New Trier Strength and Conditioning, the largest high school. SNC program in the nation, which in previous episodes, we go into depth about the thousands of athletes that Jim runs through training each day. And then the founder of the Good Athlete Project, a nonprofit organization, and a surprise classmate of Max's out Harvard's. So not only Power Athlete Radio alum, y'all had worked together in previous experiences in which we are going to deep dive today. So welcome, team. Thank you, thank you. Uh, bringing you two together to unlock how exercise, training, and lifting heavy weights affects the brain. So this is a topic that y'all brought to me, and I, I couldn't wait to jump at it. Uh, so Jim, can you go ahead and introduce how you two connected and share what your training study was aiming to accomplish when you worked together? Yeah, well, we connected, like you mentioned, Max and I were uh, friends and, and classmates back at um, back at Harvard. We studied in the similar sort of overarching program, two different lines. Mine was human development and psychology. Max, you were mind brain education, correct? No, I was. Uh, you H- were HDP. Oh. oh, of course, we were HD peeps. That's right. Yeah. Long, we don't have to go down that road. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think one of the things we connected on back then was our shared interest in cognitive neuroscience and and uh, how the you know the role of the brain in all these other psychological and developmental um, processes. So uh, I'm trying to think. Max, was it was it early on in the quarantine? It was probably it was probably 2020. Does that sound right? When we reconnected over a, a Zoom one day. I think so. And um, you know, there's there's something special uh, about you, Jim. And the thing that I want to point out is when you meet certain people you can tell that uh, they're going to work on something meaningful. And I remember at Harvard, you know, there's quite a few people in our class, uh, but our interactions were always uh, joyful. And I could tell that you were going to do really meaningful work. So even after we graduated in 2016, and it was a few years before we ended up reconnecting, wasn't surprised at all that you're doing some kick-ass work. Well, that makes you feel good. And for what it's worth, I feel the exact same way. And, 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 uh, and, and and I mean that I think there there was a vibe that I felt even back then, so I, I certainly was glad to uh, to rekindle um, our conversations and text. They jumped off like honestly, we just started talking about life. Uh, I think we were just really catching up and learning about what each other was doing. I think our mutual friend Eric Torres may have come up, or or I think Max, you might have been doing some work with him or having some conversations with him. Eric's a, a PhD candidate down the final stretch with his doctoral program out there right now. So, um, and then, yeah, so we, one of the things that we decided to work on was, was this, this study, this sort of field research that we just capped not too long ago. And we're finalizing, um, the last bit of language so that we can publish it as a white paper, but it was on, um, essentially exercising the brain. That was what I had been studying. One of the things I was really interested in, in grad school was the impact of exercise on the brain. And thereafter, how that 
would could positively influence affective states. So like someone's mood, focus, wakefulness, um, all of these positive qualities. So uh, I wanted to go just a little bit deeper and provide uh, in my own study some connective tissue between this idea that like exercise makes you feel good. And it's not, um, it's not any one thing. It's not just, you know, broadly speaking, this exercise effect has so many dimensions to it. And when Max was telling me about all the exciting work that he was doing and that his products offered, um, I was like, man, maybe that would allow us to look under the hood a little bit um, and, uh, and find out what's really going on. We had done a bunch of studies, mostly based on, on feedback, so self-assessments. But and, and maybe Max, maybe that's where you could jump in, you know, that wearable technology that allowed us to look a little deeper. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's your, how would you explain? Well, if you want to know what's going on in the brain, uh, you need to measure it somehow. Yeah. And so uh, my company has a product called Focus Calm that we talked about last time when I was on the show. And it's a, a wearable device that measures the electrical activity that your brain naturally produces. It's kind of like a heart rate monitor for your brain. So it's passively measuring the electrical activity that your brain's always giving off. And based on what the signal looks like, we can quantify how at ease and relaxed your mind looks or how active and stressed your mind looks. And we pair that measurement, which is a score from zero to 100, which we call your focus calm score. Really high score means you look zen and calm. A really low score means uh, you don't. And we pair that measurement with different teachings from sports psychologists, meditation teachers, breathing experts, as well as a variety of brain games to teach people these skills of relaxation and focus so they can feel better and perform better. And you know, a lot of our partnerships are with professional athletes and, and people looking to de-stress in their lives. But the interesting connection is not only can you train your brain with focus calm, you can measure your brain with focus calm. It allows you to discover new things about yourself or even use it as a tool uh, in research like we did with the, yes. the study that we partnered on. I mean, it's just been assumed. And we as yeah. fitness enthusiasts and lifters of weights, we know the benefit mm -hmm. personally. So, I mean, even as a coach, as we saw during uh, COVID when people had an excuse to stop moving and it was pretty easy to binge the Netflix you know, default to it's five o'clock somewhere and have these excuses to get away from training at power athlete. We took initiative to continue strength training because people would default to bodyweight exercises, but we knew strength, resistance, weight, loading. That's where we would release a lot of the, the benefits within the brain. So we came out with a free training program, third monkey, nothing but cinder blocks, getting creative with bags of concrete mm. to give out to power athlete nation so they can continue and not lose their strength gains um you know think of it as like an in-season training program yeah and giving it away because we knew oh, huge yeah if people had the easy way out they'd take it but no we wanted to provide this because we knew the benefits mm -hmm. and eventually you know when gyms opened back up our people were prepared so i mean get specific with it so what were you measuring within the study and then what did the, the tools of the Focus.com team help unlock? Yeah, and so go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe I can give the general uh, overview of things that we can measure. And then, Jim, you can speak to the specific things we looked at in the study. Perfect. Yeah. So the, the things that you can measure with uh, Focus.com, like I was mentioning, is how relaxed and how easy your mind is on a second by second basis. So when you put the headband on and you open the app, you're immediately getting your, your focus calm score. And you can see how different things in your environment, different music, exercise, how it all uh, changes your brain activity. That's just by wearing the device. Also in the device or in the app, there are executive function training games. So things like memory, sustained attention, decision-making, pattern recognition. And we use those to challenge people's brains to tax their mind and see if they can remain calm while being on. And this is the uh, concept of mental efficiency. Can you be efficient with your mental resources so you can perform your best with less stress? And that's, that's what the training model is based on. But because we're using it to train people's brains, 
we're measuring their scores. We're seeing how their brains are changing as they do the training. And so it served as a really good platform for measuring these things, like we were saying, to explore new ideas like the exercise intervention uh, that Jim's put together. Yeah, no, I. that's really good. I always like hearing you explain that. And I'm not joking about this. This is not a paid endorsement, but uh, I like the look, this this new iteration. I really I like the look of it too. <laughs> I should have yeah, I should have brought my, it's, it's an it. awesome piece the uh, uh equipment yeah gamifying focus in meditation I'm all in yeah yeah that's right yeah totally that, that that's good in, in text I like the way that you just looked at that so so what we did was we jumped on the existing platform and uh and took some of the the games one in particular something called a Stroop test uh, it, it may be familiar. It's essentially, it's an executive functioning test that's done in different versions all over, but an example, and I believe the one that is still on the focus Calm platform is, um, something to the extent of, uh, maybe the letter, uh, yellow is written on a page, but it's written in the color blue and you're trying to name the color, not the, not read it, but name the color of the ink. Uh, as fast as you can, you know what I mean? So like, and you get tripped up, blue written in blue, yellow written in blue, you know. Uh, anyway, it's an executive functioning test. And we said, well, that's a good one. Um, we, what if we use that as sort of a, a, a marker for executive functioning? Um, and and just, to, just to note or inquire whether or not um, exercise, a 20 minute round of exercise done in a very specific way that, we, that we've researched heavily and have had good success with before, whether or not that's changing the brain. And I think the, the, the interesting thing about the focus calm technology is that uh, we, we almost didn't care about the score on the Stroop test. I mentioned we use it. So we test someone pre and post exercise, if that makes sense. Um, we weren't anticipating much of a difference in score or executive functioning per se, mostly because it's a fairly straightforward test. It's not all that challenging. But like Max was saying, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we were getting readings throughout. So uh, through this technology, uh, we're like, regardless of how they do on this test, we're getting feedback on whether or not this focus and calm is, is changing, improving, evolving in some way or other. And long story short, you know, the short version of that study is uh, Stroop test pre, exercise intervention, approximately 20 minutes, Stroop test post. Changes on the Stroop test had a very small uptick in improvement, but pretty much stayed the same. Again, not really what we were after. But the focus calm scores were jumping like an absurd, um, like 30% plus. Like, like uh, th they were just straight up moving. Um, and it was, it was almost embarrassing. It was one of those things where it was like, uh, you have to double back to make sure, you know, the, the results were so good, you have to double back to make sure you didn't get something wrong. So ran the numbers a couple of times and it was like, no, this stuff, this stuff works. Exercise done in this way is making uh, quantifiable changes to the way our brains are behaving and working. So it was, it was pretty astounding. Uh, well, what was I the was training, man? Surprised. So, well, so that goes, so we had, uh, we called, we just called it um, our baseline exercise intervention. That, that is the thing that I just, Dude, I was chewing up journal studies and like whatever I could get my hands on back in grad school, uh, trying to figure out what's the MVP, the minimum viable product for exercise to accomplish a certain level of impact. It's important to note that like a lot of the training that 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 we all have done before, training for sport, really intense stuff, um, would probably move you. It would it would accomplish something different, and you can imagine an hour long football practice, uh, running 10 miles, at least for someone of my stature, these would probably push me, push me out of the threshold. You know, these are, these are intense enough that they would, they would change my capacity for training. They would certainly accomplish something specific, but it wouldn't necessarily be the immediate improvement in focus, calm mood and affect necessarily. Uh, what we looked at is like, we wanted to find a 20 minute round of exercise that could be used in schools. It could be used in organizations. It could be used in anyone's day. Like you just want to change your state, pop up. Here's what it looks like. We call it the 8282 model. We may have talked about it briefly way back in episode 200, whatever that you talk about. We were working on it back then, but it's essentially uh, eight minutes of, of steady state work 
So like running two minutes of, of, uh, relatively high intensity strength training. Um, and, and I just like to, I always, when I do the thing, I always like to have people do mostly body weight, but if we, you know, flipping tires, bear crawls, body weight type stuff, you might call them primals, something, something, or something akin to your power athlete primal movements. Um, another eight minutes of steady state and then two minutes of balance. So eight, two, eight, two, and we're trying to work responses all across the brain, uh, uptick in blood flow, um, uptick in, in not to get too, I don't want to nerd out on this. You can give me the signal if I start to, but, but, you know, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, tiny blips of acetylcholine and, and different things that have all the, you know, a, a deep body of research associating them with improved cognitive performance, uh, mood, affect, et cetera. Um, and like we've all sort of agreed, we all kind of get it. We've all mm-hmm. felt it and we wanted to put numbers on it, um, you know, because you could, you could say that, okay, so even in a laboratory, if you were to use exercise to stimulate dopamine improvement or, or dopamine, improved dopamine uh, uh, quantity, like, like more dopamine free flowing throughout the brain, unless the person actually feels better than who cares to some degree. So not only are they reporting they feel better in the areas of mood, focus, and wakefulness, but we have EEG reports showing improved scores in these ways. Um, yeah, so that's our 8282 model, and it freaking works. And we knew it, but now Focus Calm has helped us yeah, the prove mi- it. Yeah, missions so. to take this to schools. I know you're up in the Chicagoland area, and there's a book, Spark, yeah. that spoke on and believe it or not, our yes, old sir. pal Luke Summers was a part of it without him even knowing the Napier, Naperville school district yeah. putting in exercise as like a zero period for the, the kids that needed the attention and focus. And then would they improve in their school throughout the day? Uh, and then they started including like socializing. If we did this in, in school in growing up in Texas, square dancing. Yep where we were learning to dance and actually how to like politely interact with the opposite yeah, sex. Yeah, totally. And then that was then studied within this book spark. So that was a very interesting, one. like I was reading this book and then working with Luke and name dropping some of the teachers and instructors that were in the book. And he's like, man, fuck that guy. So like these people were doing science-based uh, <laughs> physical education, PE, and Luke was living it and like commented on their, uh, you know, half jokingly, but um, just crazy interesting. The book is Spark. So like that is a component. And man, in Texas, there was a swing even where PE became no longer a required course for the, the middle school or the high school, just so they can fit more classroom time in there. And of course, we see lower test scores, you know, worse health of the kids. And it's worked its way back in now as a, a requirement. So some form of PE or weightlifting um, sport, essentially, if they're not an athletic kid, they're a PE kid and still finding the connection. Um, but I, I know we know this. So now it's great that you're performing these studies to help show the value. And the cool thing connecting with Max is like, and I have great experience with the, the Focuscom device in helping me with meditation. Now we're having a, a tool and it's fun. It's gamified, man. So that it's, uh, it's awesome to see y'all working together to make this a reality. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like now speaking towards the garage gym individual. Now, was there a specific time of day that you found better results? Did you take that into consideration? Because if we're looking at Power Athlete Nation, we have people that have their their garage gyms, they got lives, they got families, they got every other stress that you can even imagine. Now, is it better to execute this 20 minutes in the a.m. before I got to start my day? Is it better to execute at lunch when I get my lunch hour, get my fitness in? Or is it p.m. before I go to sleep? Is there any time change that you tested? Yeah, so, so it, the answer to that, text is yes and it's funny that you brought up the zero hour uh you, you know it's fun if you get up too early to do this what i have found is that the effect will still happen 
but it'll peter out through over the, throughout the course of the day. So like you can't exchange. It's funny because, you know, exercise cannot jump the effect of sleep deprivation, for example. So if you do it at the front end of your day, can that get up and get you moving, get you started, start to, uh, you know, sort of lead the pathways of the brain? Absolutely. But, uh, but, if you're, but if you are not well rested, it might make you feel good temporarily, but it can't overcome uh, the processes that occur during, during a, a good night's rest. So that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, you, you know, one of the things that I was interested in, and, you know, Max, you, 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 we both are, are probably seated more than either of us want to be these days, but uh, to create something that can be used at any time of the day, like instead of a second, you know, instead of another cup of coffee at, at 2 p.m., can you find a half hour? And if you have a half hour, what what could be done? Do I just need a, a quick recharge, mindfulness, you know, jump on the app? Do I want to do that and get up and go for a walk or move around? Do I want to put some gym shorts on and do a little bit higher intensity to give people ownership over, you know, what, the uh, the idea that what they do with their body can impact the processes of their of their mind, can impact their behaviors and the way they feel is incredible empowerment. Um, so the answer is, I think it's good at any time. And the, the follow-up answer is depending on what you want to do with it. I think, like like you mentioned, I think, Max, what do you think about this? When you were in high school, I personally would not have wanted to wake up another hour and a half early to go exercise before school, well-intended as that may be. What do you think about that? <laughs> it would not have been possible. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I think the the point that that you're speaking to is, um, related to one of the concepts that's core to the whole thing, which is you can change your brain. Yeah, and there it is. The inputs, the inputs will change it. Just like exercise inputs change your body, a little bit is better than none. Mm. The inputs to your mind will change your mind. A little bit is better than none. So if you can get it in, get it in. There Are there going to be ways to optimize? Sure, but get started first if you're not. Um, and what we have found is that as little, as little as seven minutes per day will get mm. uh, significant results. And this is how that works. There was a study out of uh, University of Florida, Dr. Amishi Ja. Uh, I believe she was working with um, military personnel, putting them through mindfulness training. And what she found was the folks who do 12 minutes of mindfulness per day were the ones seeing benefits. If you weren't racking up 12 minutes, you probably were not going to see many benefits from doing this training. What we have found is that it only takes seven minutes of being in this high focus, calm zone to see the results of your practice. And this is why when you do 12 minutes of mindfulness, it's hard to say the quality of that time. Maybe you've tried meditating, sit down, close your eyes. At the end of your meditation session, 20 minutes later, you open them and you ask yourself, did that do anything? Was I actually making any progress? Unless you're really sensitive or, or more practice, it's hard to know. Um, even if you are practice, it's hard to know how much time you were spending in different brain states. So with the headband, because we're measuring it, we can make it more efficient. And so out of that 12 minutes of practicing, you know, who knows the quality? If you can get seven quality, high quality minutes of being in this high focus, calm zone through the games, through the meditations, through the sports psychologists, uh, lessons, through the breathing exercises, if you can rack up seven minutes per day, you're going to see these benefits. So to, to tie this all back, I think it's um, text your question about time of day. I would echo the point that uh, what you're saying, Jim, you know, some is better than none. There's probably some some uh, optimization. Uh, but it's probably more time efficient than you even imagine. And just getting it in, making it a habit, that's what's going to count. I, I, Max, would you agree that uh, this is a big, it's a lifestyle set of decisions too. I'm almost envisioning a scenario where if you had ownership over your physical state and you could spend 20 minutes getting to that place of focus calm and then begin the training, is it possible that you'd get to that seven minute zone quicker? Yeah. Yeah. So when you train these mental muscles of relaxation through the app, what we can see is people get better at entering the focus calm faster, staying there longer and getting right. in that zone more deeply. And from the study we did together, we saw that exercise helps to increase your focus calm score, get there quicker, stay there longer, get there deeper. 
And even subjectively, we can all remember a time where we worked out and it was the right level of intensity where afterwards we felt better. We felt more energized. We felt rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't such a hard workout that we were like on the floor in a puddle of sweat. Um, And so, yeah, that type of exercise can get your brain primed to, like we saw in the study, to get into focus calm quicker, deeper, and stay there longer. You know, it's actually interesting in, in Texas, this was not like queued up. We're just kind of throwing the ball back and forth here. The, uh, it, it, the mind and the body, I mean, I mean the, the parallels between the two, the, the, the mind is a metaphor for the body and vice versa. Uh, the said principle, which is just so, you know, it's, it's one of the cornerstone concepts in strength and conditioning specific adaptation to impose demand. Uh, we're doing that with the brain also. And that's what I think that's why there's such an authentic link. Um, and to your point, Max, I'll say from like text, you keep mentioning the gamification, staying with it, doing something instead of nothing. It's almost like I'm just keep getting reminded of the freaking quarantine. But like if the couch is a magnet and, and you're not getting up and moving around and moving cinder blocks and third monkeying it or, or however you're staying active, um, then, then, you know, the longer mm-hmm. you're in that state, you'll adapt to that state too. And then, you know, when you first come back to a program, it's going to be that harder. It's difference from threshold. Uh, and, and it's the same thing for meditation. So I think some sort of practice, and I like these, I didn't know that number max seven minutes, but like to me, cause I try to, I try to give sort of like a, <clears throat> I try to really confront people with their own logic. Sometimes when it comes to exercise, I like to say, you don't have 20, you must be the busiest human on the face of the planet. If you can't find 20 minutes for your own health and wellness in the course of a day. Uh, and, and I would tell you that if you, if you can't, you, you may be busy, but you're not going to be successful. Uh, seven is even more compelling. Like who doesn't have seven minutes in their day. And I would even say this, if you don't have, if it doesn't feel like you have seven minutes in your day, you probably need to be, <laughs> organizing your brain and mind and emotion, you know, and you probably need to find those seven minutes to get time back in your day. Cause it just feels yeah, like you time, don't have enough time for time it. It's not is actually one of the true barriers that That's we battle as coaches. And the, the beauty is no like, doubt we've worked with thousands of athletes. So we've heard all these excuses, every barrier and the beauty Power Athlete, again, shameless plug, is we have a programming solution for every excuse. If you look at our catalog, <laughs> if you were arguing about time, well, we got a grindstone program like that. that's got two mandatory days and then four optional days that if your week has available, you do it. But otherwise, you owe us only two training sessions a week. That's less than two hours. Uh, and then equipment, okay, third monkey. This is basically yeah. a hotel gym training program at this point. Oh, you're always on the road. Well, majority of hotel rooms got a 50 pound dumbbell or load up that suitcase, baby. So it's aiming to identify barriers and then eliminating them. But then the (laughs) beauty is we put the ownership on the athlete. Yeah. Consistency is everything. And just as you referenced, yes, getting into a habit of meditation is extremely difficult, especially if you're not accustomed to it. But once you get into it and see the benefits, once you don't do it, Mm-hmm. Similar, if I stop exercising, oh man, I'm not going to feel right. I'm not going to feel like I own, uh, like I'm, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of since Max, we, you first came on is I have this tool and now I get to utilize it to now focus calm. And then the seven minutes, I like to leave a buffer because you got like these 12, 13 minute meditations that my goal is still seven minutes. Um, and the, the cool thing is I'm staring at this screen. Right. Uh, I do it on my back porch. I got a beautiful uh, backyard, dogs in the morning, sunrise. And I got this screen that shows me when I'm focused and when I'm not. So it's, uh, yeah, aiming to practice. And then, dude, that happens in training, right? I got five heavy sets of deadlifts. Yeah. Between each, where does my mind go? Certainly not where it should be. So. I got to aim yeah, to yeah. focus and utilizing the tools, uh, you know, in front of me to then, okay, I got to get back to my set and, you know, staying the hell off the phone or the Slack channel because our coworker is six hours ahead in the UK. I got to stay focused on training here. So uh, it, it is all connected and that's the beauty, man. It, what excuse do you have? That's, that's what we try to look for when we first work with people. 
and then give them a solution that identifies, okay, shit, I got to take ownership of my training. I love that line. Where does my mind go? It's like by a the pixie way, song. that you just said text. Cause I think that's, that's such a, that it's so it's obviously it's, it's, <laughs> it's close to a pixie song. Where does my mind go? Because like, that's the sort of self-awareness I think that uh, Max's work in, in focus column specifically certainly brings to it. It's the, it's the thing that you and I have talked about many times before the, the motto we have does your behavior match your goal. It's like, like when we, when we put that on the back of a t-shirt years ago, we, we called that uh, the mantra of practical mindfulness. So my behavior matches my goal. It's a presentness. It's a self-awareness. It's, like, it's, an, it's an analysis of one's behaviors compared to the purpose that they've identified. Uh, there's, it's always had a sort of a mindful core. That's interesting. I'm writing that down. I'll give it to you, though. Forget the pixies. I'm uh, putting well, dash. Max, speak to us about, about mood. Where does my mind go? And I know where we have focus and we have calm. We're... Uh, us as type A people, we're focused on the focus, but then take it, you know, take the calm for granted. So speak to us about the importance of mood and getting your, getting your mind right, if you will, and what goes on in our brain that leads to calm. Sure. Um, I think it depends on what you want. Do you want to be happy? Uh, if you don't, then, you know, maybe you're all set and you don't need any mental training. <laughs> if you want to be in a better mood, if you want to be more at ease uh, and you want to enjoy your time more, if you want to get through your day with less stress, if you want to end your day with more energy, if you want to have more seamless interactions with the people that you love that are in your family or your friends, that's all mindset. Right, that's all mindset. So even if someone is, let's say, heavily focused on focus and they care about productivity, they're type A, I would tell them there's a productivity unlock if you can get into that calm zone. Because when you're in that calm zone, you're going to burn less mental resources, mm -hmm. have more endurance, you're going to be able to get through your day with more energy, and you're going to be able to enjoy more of your day because you're not going to be burnt out. So Let's talk about that efficiency. I'll give you just uh, maybe a couple of examples. The starting work with Focus Calm was with an organization called Formula Medicine, which does the medical care and the physical and mental training for F1 drivers, as well as a lot of other um, Formula drivers and other elite level athletes. And their concept is mental efficiency. If you're white knuckling the, the steering wheel going 200 miles an hour, how long are you going to last before something not great happens? How well are you going to perform? Can we get these drivers, these high-performance athletes, to be in their sweet spot where they're just focused enough, but they're not white-knuckling the steering wheel, and they're not too relaxed where they're going to make a mistake? Can you get in the zone? Can you get in that flow state? And how do we train them to get there? That's the process that we put into the Focus Calm Headband and app, is to help people go through that process of learning to relax their mind, so if they're a little too stressed or anxious, they can downregulate. Having them practice entering that state with the brain games, for example, make a campfire grow bigger by getting your brain into that focused calm zone or make a rocket ship fly by getting your brain into that focused calm zone. So practicing that state and then challenge your ability to stay calm under pressure with all these executive function games like the Stroop test that we used in, in the study with, uh, with Jim. So this process of learning to relax your mind, strengthening your ability to get into that zone, and then challenging your ability to stay calm under pressure will give you this, this skill to transfer into the rest of your life of being mentally efficient. Can you be on? Can you be using your executive functions? Can you be working? Can you be training while still remaining calm, not burning your reserves? And so for the productivity person, for the type A person, I would say to them, yes. And if you really want to get good, like these F1 drivers, you need to be able to stay in the pocket. And how do you stay in the pocket? It's by simultaneously, yes, tra uh, training your focus muscle, but you also need to train your calm muscle so you can stay in that window of tolerance where you're not burning out, where you're able to focus, you're able to perform, but you're, res you're reserving your energy for the, the task at hand, whether that's training, 
or the rest of your question. life? Because I get to on FocusCom, you got these daily challenges that lead <laughs> off with meditation. And then there's a a suppose a calm game like the fire focus a racing. Here's why I get competitive. The harder I focus, the slower my car goes during this race game and just tough. And then the executive function, I smash it, but it's all red. My score is all red. Um, fun match games mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's uh, <laughs> aiming to uh, take the meditation into it. So it's good practice. Uh, and we're not all experts. Um, but Jim, you said earlier you want this to bring no. to educators. So educating the educators on the role of training, exercise, and potentially rest and nutrition to optimize potential. So where does the impact exist? Is this coaches or teachers volunteering their time to get a zero period? Is it making the classroom more connected to movement? Where can some fast solutions be Mm. provided? Yeah, I... That's a great question. So I'm not a physical educator, but I am absolutely on the team, you know, like I'm, I am fully in support of that. That's why your, your story, uh, text of, of, of it being non-mandatory and returning to mandatory is kind of inspiring. Uh, I, I think anyone who says no to physical education as a platform for learning is, is really missing, uh, a, a core component of the human experience. So I believe it belongs in physical education. I think it. I think there's an incredible opportunity. I've seen the 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 space of physical of PE challenged coast to coast, and I'm very fortunate to have been invited to, you know, participate in consulting efforts and uh, speak at conferences for all the AFERD Association of Health Physical Education, Recreation Dance. Maybe you've heard of this stuff, but um, Shape America, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm I'm talking to physical educators all the time about what they're seeing. What they're seeing is the platform being challenged, people like you say, prioritizing math and science over physical education. Well, as we've discussed, if you don't get your physical self right, your capacity in math and science goes down. Uh, so, so I think there's a way uh, for for physical educators to really understand what's going on and nestle into the greater ecosystem of the school and say this is not a distraction. This is not just a de-stressor from uh, academics. This is empowerment for a young person, for life, and it's essential understanding. And I think the more, the more we can provide this sort of research, not opinion, but quantifiable you know, work, um, the more we tee people up to have those discussions with department heads and then higher levels of administration and boards of education. But yeah, I think it belongs. I think this sort of work belongs in every school period, end of story. And I think that's only the start. That's like the foundation. Uh, I think if you really get creative, once it's there, you can begin considering it as an intervention in all of the other nooks and crannies of the school. If you've got a kid, well, this is not, this is unintentional, but this book delivered from distraction. It's actually co-written by John Rady, the spark author, but it's all about ADD and ADHD. Um, and, and one of the biggest, you know, AD, just to go down that road temporarily, because I think an, an unknown, but incredibly high number of people have sort some sort of attention difference. And that's why I, what I, when I work with people, that's actually what I call it. Um, not a disorder, a difference. Um, it, it usually it's, it's neurochemical and the primary neuro, neurochemical that's, um, received differently or digest, you know, is dopamine, which is like one of the best ways to to kickstart dopamine is through exercise, novelty, exercise induced neural enhancement. You can really get that thing moving. So I say that because all of a sudden you've got this thing that's like a standardized part of the day in physical education. Teachers should know it. Kids should know it. Families should know and support it. So there should probably, I believe there should be community outreach all the time. Uh, well then once you have that foundation, now you can really start get to get creative. Well, uh, you know, Chris has a, a double period science class, sixth hour. Okay. Maybe we schedule an intervention or put his PE class fifth hour, get his mind right. So, you know, put him on a better trajectory. We do that sort of, you know, these multi-tiered layers of support all the time. Um, exercise belongs in that conversation. Yeah. I think the, um, the trend or the theme is preparing kids for their future and for success. Mm. 
and there you go. they need, they need exercise uh, for their general well being, their physical health, their emotional well being. They need uh, practices like in focus calm for their their mental well being, for their ability to focus. All these things come together because, like we're saying, exercise impacts the brain. And if we think about preparing, if the job of education is to prepare students for a successful future, then all these pieces of the puzzle need to be there. And one of the things that we do with the headband, uh, we have a, another business called Neuromaker, which takes the headband into schools, not to use Focus Calm necessarily, but to teach students about science, technology, engineering, mathematics through the lens of neuroscience. So they get to hear about these F1 drivers using the headband to, to drive really fast and perform really well. Um, and then they get to use the headband to learn coding or to build prototypes using the headband and to run experiments. And so one of the, the things that I think is, is true for both the work that we do with Neuromaker uh, and the work that Jim does, I think the important theme is how do we prepare students well? Mm. Um, and I think this more holistic approach, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that things will bend towards this more uh, holistic approach to get kids ready for a happy, healthy, successful life. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I, in fact, Max, you remind me, I have been saying for a while, I think, uh, in, I think there'll be classes on a, a few things will be needed in education classes on how to differentiate actual news from fake news and uh, how to navigate social situations. I, I, I've, I've said for a long time, managing one's focus in a world where artificial tugs at one's focus are on an exponential rise is like, that's going to be taught in schools. And it, and that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I was noodling about this over the weekend. I was like, you know, if I, I was thinking more about higher education, like university, I have a lot of uh, people I know who don't use their degrees at all. They went in a totally different direction. They've, they may or may not have needed to go to college. Um, and I was thinking about, well, what do people actually need? Uh, mm. And my, my quick pass at it is they need the ability to communicate through uh, written word, like emails uh, uh, and spoken language so they can have good conversations, the ability to communicate in the sense of conflict resolution, because at work, there's always going to be tensions. And how do we navigate those? Even our interpersonal tensions outside of work, that's a really important skill. If we bundle that under communication, um, and then they also need to know about managing their time or project management. How do I get things done? How do I manage a project? Um, and I think if you can get these two things, then you're going to be, you can learn the skills for other jobs. Um, but I think the, the point that you bring to the table, Jim, which I agree is, you know, there's a whole other realm of, first of all, the physical side, we, you also need that, I believe in order to be happy and healthy. And then this idea of like, um, information filtering uh is also really yeah i think appropriate given given the time that we're in given the time and, and even in project management probably include that's probably summed up in project management differentiating you know good feedback from bad i i i just put i just published an article I'll, i'd be happy to share it with you guys leading well depends on the wellness of the leader and i, I the only thing i would add to the, what you just said because i agree max i think that's that's it that's the cornerstone of education uh, I, I would and have pushed for at, at high levels of big schools, uh, we, we cannot forget about health and wellness and training and like the body. You know, one of my positions is, is best laid plans always fall victim to implementation. One of the most obvious uh, levers or components of the way that we implement a process or interact with the world is our physiological state. You know, if we're on two hours of sleep, we manage a project differently. We, you know, our ability to be empathetic or communicate, all these things will either be enhanced by or, or downgraded relative to our physiological state. So I think, I, I agree. I think that's, um, I think that those yeah, pieces think, all fit together. Um, well, yeah. there you go. We, we just fixed education. There it is. Yeah. I think there's a disclaimer here. Um, I'm, not, I'm not an educator. I'm not an administrator. I have a team of people that work with uh, hundreds of schools in the country and they know their business and they, they see yeah. those challenges day to day. This is just some, some gentle musing. Um, and there's <laughs> such a deep appreciation for the difficulties that educators face every day. It is, it is nuts. The kind of competing yeah. commitment 
that that exists in that space. So by no means is this easy or are we kind of like, yes, we know the no. answer. But um, you know, well, just some some food for thought. I think that's uh, yeah, and a big theme that, with power athletes is is no personal doubt. responsibility, personal accountability. So we wouldn't leave it on the school and use that as an excuse for our household. So with that in mind, and, and Jim, I, I'm gonna I pulled up your article. I'm I'm gonna hmm. dive into this. Yeah, so now thinking of in the theme of personal responsibility, yeah. I am in control of my own training my time that I need to manage work, life, family, et cetera. And now I'm valuing training, making at least two hours a week on top of everything else we got to do. How important now is the, the benefit or what can, how can I optimize my wellness? Like Max, we spoke in depth on, on Focuscom, but is that meditation? Is that seven minutes of mindfulness? Can my 20 to 60 minutes of training be, you know, can I be mindful within that, that then bet counts towards my seven minutes? Like how can we make the most for the individual to take personal responsibility for their wellness, not just their, their physical strength and capacity, but also their mind. That's really interesting. So I would say that that that's the start of a whole new podcast. I don't want to take us down the road too far, but I said we have the Good Athlete Project. We have something called a high order performance framework, and we, we may have talked about this, but at the at the base level, the foundational level, we have eat, move, sleep, and really what it is, it's uh, it's a framework for uh, for self awareness. So we talk people through this. What's missing from your life? Is it the language communication level? Is it the what we call the gap capacity level? Uh, is high order performance really for the sake of this conversation? What's missing uh, more often than not is something on that foundational level. So, how do you take care of these other things? You know, the human experience is infinitely complex. So, I would I, I hate to be lame, but I would say it depends. It depends on where people are, what where they're going, what they're trying to do, limitations, system structures, existing state, all of those things. But I would also suggest that everyone should start at the bottom level, pick one of the three and, and nail it, use it as sort of a cornerstone concept. So you say like, maybe it's just, maybe it's training, eat, move, sleep. Maybe you've decided that move is where you're really going to dig in. Something feels off. Take a look at the framework. I'm going to the bedrock level, move. I'm going to focus there. Then you articulate a plan based on healthy movement, based on, you know, aligned with with what you uh, might want uh, in your life. And what we've found is it's, it's like a keystone idea for people who are disciplined enough to follow through on it. All sorts of other habits begin to sort of orbit around whichever one you choose. So like if, if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up a program. I'm going minimum two hours a week. I'm going to hit it. Okay. Well then now I'm, I'm in a fuel uh, so that I, that I'm ready for these workouts and I'm recover on the back end. Okay. So now we start to look subliminally into the nutrition box. Okay. Well, well, uh, I have to rest. I have to sleep more. So you start becoming slowly more disciplined about around your sleep. Uh, and, and what we found is like, if you really pick and dig in hard, uh, in one of these, it starts to level out the base. Now there's no hard and fast. All you got to do is this to get that there's no A to B in the human condition. Um, but if you say, I want to be well and perform at a high level, and I've decided to work on my movement, be an expert at movement, what, what that does tax is it like, it starts to lead down a host of other mindful paths. So maybe I'm incorporating more mindfulness into my life. Cause this is a real thing. I know a lot of people, especially post-career athletes who have anger issues and they love to bang weights and they love to train. And when they do that, they, they eventually will reach the level of self-awareness, especially if they have support and can talk to people, uh, where it's like, I, I continue to want to do that. Maybe you need to supplement that with some sort of mindful attention or mindful training. What am I putting into my body from a nutrition standpoint? Why am I so ornery all the time? Maybe I need to sleep more. Anyway, point is, uh, Max used the word holistic earlier in regards to education, I think that I think we're doing that on an individual level all the time. Um, yeah, so that's what I think. So it's 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 complicated, but once you've I think once you've got your avenue, I think, and this goes directly with the power athlete mindset. It's like 
once you've taken some time to set up the track, freaking run, you, you know, go down it. And, uh, and that leads to all sorts of other positive benefits. Yeah, along we the did way. a, recently we did a competition amongst the team. Uh, it's called hammer 90. So 90 days of dialed in nutrition training and some form of wellness. And I had this awesome tool from the Focuscom team. So it was 90 days diving into meditation. So I took that as my focus and attention. And this is coming from uh, the research of uh, Dr. Michelle. She's from University of Michigan. We just started on the podcast, Seeger. So it was adding healthy behaviors leads to behavior change. So not like eliminating drinking, XYZ, eliminating sugar. No, no, no. She's like, I need you to add healthy behaviors that then start to, as you're speaking to, Jim, affect the rest of my lifestyle. So if I'm dedicated to waking up and leading off my day with my mindfulness training, my exercising, or committing to, you know, Saturday mornings, I'm going to go play some rec pickleball, which is awesome. That affects how I operate my Friday evenings to stay away yes. from <laughs> things that would affect my performance on Saturday yeah, totally. mornings. So adding in these, these team uh, activities, adding in uh, mindful behaviors led me to success that, you know, was taking away fun stuff that was, you know, negatively affecting my performance and recovery as a, a 30 something aging division three athlete. But, um, so I, I see what you, oh, no. I <laughs> about the, to hit his prime, uh, but I see what you're saying. Um, <laughs> but tip of the cap to max and how that helped me. I think I won the competition, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a who won. It was just a heck yeah. Working together. It's a battle of wellness. Yeah. And about, would you say, would you guys agree that it, as we talk through this, it feels like there's something that we've just all articulated in the realm of loss aversion. I mean, is that a familiar concept? That loss aversion. Right. But, uh, the, uh, so, so I think one of the most famous studies in loss aversion is in compensation models and businesses. So like, uh, instead of giving, say, a salesperson a bonus at the end of a year, they, they were, uh, the studies were something like, we're going to give you the bonus now, and it's yours to lose. And, and what they, you, know, you take these two groups, and it's like the group working toward a potential bonus works at whatever capacity. The group who already has the bonus is far more fearful of losing it. So they'll work harder to maintain it uh, because it's already there than, than one group will to go get it. And there's something interesting about just committing to something like you just said, like, you know, the, uh, I remember, you know, when I was in college and trying to play post-college and I got a good workout in, there's no question that that impacted the decisions I made that night on say a Friday night, you know, there was a ripple effect because I feel like I've just added to my, you know, my physiological, my physical bank account, and I don't want to make a withdrawal right away. There's this, you know, this loss aversion. Uh, idea. So, so committing to yeah, that. What did you uh, call it? The nutrition training 90? and coaching thing. We're we're uh, getting out there. We test everything in house like before we we give it to people. That's how we know it works. Or if adjustments need to be made, smart the theory doesn't necessarily match the yeah. uh, the the result. But um, cool, Max. Any any notes for people to take personal accountability of their wellness and you know, on top of training, of course, but what else can they do? Yeah, let's, um, let's talk about this same, uh, concept through the lens of, of focus calm. So the core again is you can change your brain, right? The feelings that you have, the way you react to difficult problems, and the way that you carry yourself, the way that you are in the world, the way that you communicate is, I don't want to say dictated, but heavily, heavily influenced by your mindset. And your mindset is something that you can affect. Um, yeah. And you need to realize that you are in the driver's seat. And the same way that we talk about being in the driver's seat, taking responsibility for your physical training if you want those other benefits, you need to do the same thing for your mental training. It is all up to you. It is totally up to you. 
And, you know, there are, the good news is there's so many ways to get this done. Focuscom is one of them, but there's a variety of ways to approach this, probably in the Hammer 90. Uh, some people are using Focuscom. Maybe some people were doing, I don't know, breath training. Maybe some people even decided to do yoga. Just like there's a variety of ways to train your body, there's a variety of ways to train your mind. And so mm -hmm. our mission is to expose people to that toolbox. So that's why you probably heard me rattling off a bunch of different ways to train your brain, meditation, sports psychology, neurofeedback games, executive function games, breathing exercises. We're exposing people to these things so they can see what changes their brain. What does calm and focus mean for you? And when you find the thing that you love or the thing that you like or the thing that you gravitate towards, it's going to make it easier. But it really does boil down to the same principles that come that come with getting physical training done. It's the same principles for mental training. You need to make okay. the time, hold yourself accountable, build a habit, build that momentum, and the benefits will come. What we see is it takes about 20 sessions to see statistically significant improvements. So just like learning any new skill, once you get a certain number of practice under your belt, then you can really look back and see, wow, I really have, I really have changed. And for mm -hmm. what we've been able to tell doing tests with, uh, you know, workplace people in the workplace, doing tests with teachers, doing tests with professional athletes, 20 sessions seems to be the magic number to get that training in to see, see the benefit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, you're in the driver's seat. That's the good news. That's the good news. I'll, can I share a, uh, I'm going to, I just drew something that you reminded me of Max. Is that okay? Is this, <laughs> can you see this at all? Yeah. So this has become a huge part of our, our training recently. It's just like, this. It, it's essentially this recognition that, that at the core of an experience is a mindset or a set of mental models. Just beyond that is a skill set, And then just beyond is, is behaviors. And, and, you know, I think far too often, we're, we're, we're wrestling with the behavioral level. Well, he said this to me and she did that. And it made me upset and all this stuff when, when it's like, do you have the skill set? And then most, I think most importantly, because it is the most major lever you're talking about the mindset and the core central mental models of, of focus and calm and steadiness that allow you to be your best self in those uh, ever increasing ways. I think, uh, yeah. I think that's that's what it is. And I, I just want to double down on one thing you said earlier too, Max. That idea of, okay, so 20 sessions, seven minutes, you'll see quantifiable results. That's what your data has shown, correct? Yep. So like, I, I do keep coming back to like, to the person who would say, I don't have time for that is probably someone who's wrestling with all the behavioral level stuff. And that's why I was saying earlier, like you, you need to make time for that. You have to come back and reimagine um, the mental models, the bandwidth, the not burning resources metaphor that you use is just so right. The text also, so can you imagine someone, are there times in lacrosse when you have to jog? I would think like you're not Depends a full on dead asking, on sprint yeah. all the time. Correct. Fair enough, but you get the, you know, like, uh, I, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it, it all comes back to, to, for me, it's like empowerment and self-awareness and self-management and ownership. All of the, our discussion is aligned on this. I think it's like, you want to build a capacity to go hundred miles an hour when called upon to do so, but you don't, you probably shouldn't be doing that all the time. Otherwise that capacity will no longer be there. And if you're using all your mental resources to Max's point, uh, stressing about all these other things, because your, your ultimate question for high performers is why is calm important? If you're using all your mental faculties and resources, stressing about stuff, then, then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're called up to bat and, and you don't have it. The tank has been drained. Oh yeah. That, it's just a really powerful, that's a really powerful with metaphor. Yeah, I made a note of that too, Max. I'll attribute it to you. You see how their lives outside of sport come in and affect their ability to perform focus no and be the consistently the, the kid that you know they are um i think a, a good note to to end on is is this 20 sessions if you're able to commit to seven minutes a day for 20 days over the course of a month right real life does get in the way then you can start to see results one of the things we say often a power athlete is how long does it take to get strong a lifetime. Mm. Mm. 
But what comes with being strong is all these other benefits in our lives, order, household, nutrition. We create a, a culture of, of physical training and fitness within the family because your kids see you and they're only normal is parents that lift heavy ass weights. So it, it, while my goal may be to get strong, what's the, what's the ripple effect? And if we're committing to 20 sessions, what is the ripple effect? Then am I sleeping better? Am I not losing my focus and attention? Am I staying calm in stressful situations, sport, work, uh, you know, anything? So that's, it's a good, I mean, it's a, it's a real ask. And parent, like, if I'm looking at teachers also, we said the earlier goal. So if I'm a, a, an educator and I got 45 minutes to, you know, 90 minutes within my class, what's seven minutes of it? And how can I turn that into a movement and an interactive game that then ultimately leads to why I'm an edu educator in the first place? Like, so I think that's a good note to, uh, to wrap it up here, guys. But I hope this is not our last time conversing as we've ex uh, experienced here we got a lot i got a, a full list of notes here to uh to dive into and read more hopefully we can bring it back together and discuss love that love it absolutely great to talk to you guys all right that's another episode of the premiere podcast and strength and conditioning power at the radio bye your performance head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals and if you like to break a mental sweat too visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete success until next time bye